the battlefields of the business world are are filled with people attached to a specific idea that was really creative or it's their idea. It's got to be the right idea that it's ended up in the business graveyard, like either from a businesses themselves or people's careers or products. So like, that's the other side of that is like you said, be open, but also be open to your idea or your creativity, not being the only thing that can work. Welcome to the creative tax podcast with Mike Brennan. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Creative Chats. I am your host, Mike Brennan, and this is the podcast where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. And I love to unpack these things mostly with my guests and explore how we can apply these things to our own creative processes and journeys. Now, I would love to also invite you to subscribe to the Daily Creative Habit email newsletter, Nobody needs more emails. I get that. But this email that I send out once a week is packed with some inspiration, some resources. I give daily creative prompts for you if you're looking for something to get you out of the rut to kind of get the juices flowing. Perfect for you. Also, we have a community over on Facebook that is called Daily Creative Habit as well. And uh, I would love for you just to be taking a step to, to be a part of that community. Um, come around people who are like-minded, raising their hands to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. So if that's you, head on over to dailycreativehabit.com and you'll find all those resources there. Hey, I'd also love to invite you to check out my book, Make Fun a Habit. It's the creative playbook for making life and work fun again. If you have felt like fun has up and left the building somewhere along the way, I think we all do uh, at some point, you find yourself centering around some practicality and responsibility and all the adulting words. (laughs) If you need a little bit more fun in your life, in your work, in your experience, then I want to invite you to grab a copy of my book. It's 30 short chapters that give you some inspiration, some practical application and exercises so that you can start to experience some more fun in and around your life. Go to makefunahabit.com and grab your copy today. Well, here we are with another episode. I'm excited to have my friend Jason Frizzell on today, and he is a coach that is highly sought after. He helps individuals and teams a lot in technology uh, and, and for personal brands, for CEOs, executive, entrepreneurs, side hustlers. I mean, you name it. This guy is just awesome at what he does. Um, you know, and we talk a lot about just what creativity looks like for him as a coach, as a speaker, um, even as a guitar player in, in his personal life. And, um, you know, I love this conversation because it really blows up creativity to a much bigger level. So often we think that creativity is just simply the arts. It's drawing, painting, music, you know, dance, etc., But creativity is also problem solving. It is also the way that we see things and what we do as a result of them. And so this conversation really highlights that, and especially in terms of a business or a corporation. Uh, It's not something that we talk about in terms of creativity being, you know, a nice little thing on the side or, you know, drawing pretty pictures um, or fun as as a um, simply a you know, an offsite for, um, for, for businesses, but simply a practice, a process that we can put into place that can help us show up to be the best versions of ourselves 
And so uh, love this conversation. Love Jason. Be sure to follow him and listen to his podcast we mentioned at the end of the episode. I'm going to get out of the way here. And without further ado, here is my creative chat with Jason Frizzell. Well, Jason, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. Dude, I know this is going to be a fun and exciting conversation today. Yeah, Mike, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So um, I always love to just ask guests in their own words to tell people who they are, what they do. Uh, you know, you're at a party, you're, you're at a, a, an event and people come up to you. What do you say? Mm, what do I, I'll tell you what I really say. People go, what do you do? <laughs> I say, well, I'm Jason and I'm a dad and a husband and a never, uh, so far, never succeeded as a Vikings fan. That's how I actually say what I am because the things that I really care about, but being a little bit facetious, but not really, I would say like dad, I'm a husband. I'm also what I do for work, which is probably get into our creativity is one of the many things that I do, but what I do for work is I do executive coaching. I do a lot of training work. I do a lot of facilitation work. I'm a speaker and I'm a fellow podcaster. So I run my own business over here doing a variety of things. That's what I do for work. So if somebody said, Hey, what do you do for work? That's what I would say. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. And I know we'll get into, uh, I'm sure a bunch of those things and how creativity has influenced those things. Um, but I would love to just start with, you know, when do you remember the first time you having the thought like, oh, I'm actually a creative person or I, or I yeah. enjoy something of creativity? This is a great question. And I usually don't like to say this is a great question, but it wasn't that long ago, Mike. Huh. I've had a story for most of my life that I'm not a quote unquote creative person. Why is that? Because there's never in a million, if you paid me $1 billion, I could not create the beautiful artwork you have behind you. I'm not good at visual art. I'd never enjoyed drawing, coloring, any of those things. And I always related to, I always related to that as being creative. And then I worked in sales, which you could argue is creative in some ways, but I always worked in environments where, and it's a good thing. You can't get too creative because then you're not really <laughs> doing it. You get yeah. too creative in sales. You, you get fired or you get arrested, right? Like, <laughs> hard arrested. And for much of my, and for much of my life, I was not a musician. I am a musician now, but I wasn't, never did anything like improv, which we can talk about if you want, never did any theater. So I was related to myself. Yeah, I'm not really that creative. I'm really a guy who's good at getting stuff done with a little bit of direction. And then about five years ago, I made a career shift. And then about a year into that, I had somebody say to me, they go, wow, you're really good. You're really creative when it comes to creating new things. I said, that's the first time anybody's ever said that to me. So the actual answer to your question is about four years ago is when I first related to myself as somebody that's truly creative. And that includes my guitar playing as well. Cause I was related to myself as the guitar player who could play other people's stuff. And I knew the patterns and the scales and the logical things behind it, but I wasn't really going to create you anything very compelling. And I've kind of broken through that maybe in the last two years. So it, and I'm 46. So it, it took me into my forties to relate to myself as any stretch of the imagination, a creative person. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that answer, Jason. And the reason is because you are correct when there are a lot of people who equate creativity to being artistic. 
right? And so I think there's a huge distinction there. Many people just use those things interchangeably and they go, yeah, yeah I'm not creative because I can't draw, I can't paint, I can't play an instrument, et cetera, et cetera. And I love to just blow up that conversation and say like creativity is so much bigger than that. And someone can be creative in organizing systems or how they mm -hmm. build things, how they how they look at things and what they do as a response to how they see those things. Right. And yeah. so you, I think, are a prime example of that, of just going like you, you have been creative, you are creative. It's just it took a shift in your perspective an understanding of what creativity actually is. And then I would think, um, you know, because this is what I encourage other people. I'm like, once you you identify what that is, then you could be more intentional about how you show up for those things in those places yeah. and really pour gas on that and, and do some amazing things, right? Has that been your experience? Absolutely. Can I give you a real life example of sure. that? Yeah, please do. As I mentioned that I, I do speaking and I do a lot of communications training. I love communicating. I love speaking. It's one of the reasons I love being a podcaster. I love interviewing people. And you and I as fellow podcasters know that podcasting can be a wildly creative endeavor if you wanted to, or it can feel like you're reading off a script. Yeah. And I will say that I think my podcast has gotten better. My speaking has gotten better. And the training network that I've that I do. And I do a lot of it through a, an amazing company. You give them a shout out, New Jersey company, life hikes own the room. One of the things when they hire coaches that is just going to toot the horn of life hikes and maybe myself, it's hard to get a job there. One of the things they say is we want you to learn the script and we want you to make it yours. Mm -hmm. Meaning you learn it. And yes, all of our trainings are scripted, right? Cause these are things we deliver to large corporate corporate co companies, but they said our best coaches end up at about a 70, 30 or 80, 20 of here's our script. Here's our suggested material. How do you make it your own? And I've been doing that work for a couple of years. And as I have made it more my own, my ratings have gone up mm. because I'm getting creative. And some of that comes from improv training. Some of that comes yeah. from trusting myself and just saying, Hey, in this training, we're going through this way, but I think this language might not resonate with this type of audience what do I trust myself to create out of nothing anyway? That's not in the script. And it's more interesting. The feedback gets better and better as I do that. I think there's a big lesson for most of us in that is you learn the quote unquote right way to do something. And I think you're a musician as well, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. mm -hmm. you learn the right way to play an instrument, but all the virtuosos in any instrument, they don't play the instrument the right way. Right. Like I, don't, I think you might be a guitar player as well. Yep. A lot of the uh, just says for for those who play guitar or this resonates for when you look at the technique with some of the greatest guitar players of all time, they do not follow the technique that a guitar teacher would teach you to do. Like, do not rest your pinky on the bridge, like mm -hmm. all like all these things they do because like you just learn that you don't have to and like getting their creativity, what's true for them. So the real life example I've had, and I've I've felt this in my business overall, is leaning into what I want to do and leaning into my trust creates actually better results by leaning into that creativity. And for me, the creativity comes quickly from like trusting the, like, let's try something different. Let's do something that's unique outside of the right quote unquote, right way to do something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny as you were talking about that, the whole idea of like owning the script, right. That's what came to mind was actually guitar or music. And when you are learning scales and patterns and chords and, and the structure and the system but then you actually go beyond just being able to play those things for the sake of, you know, checking the box of, okay, I did the, the chord progression, I did the scales. 
and then even further into okay now i'm playing somebody else's song that is made up of these things and then further still into now i'm writing my own songs now i'm yeah. taking all this information all the stuff that i have learned the the foundation of these things and i'm using it with my own voice with my own interests and the way that i see things and i think that's when you move into this place of creativity that there's an ownership and there's um you know a a uh, authenticity i think that comes through and like you said you there's a there's a level of trust and confidence that has to come out in that because not everyone is going to leave the their room uh, you know, some people are going to just be the, the closet players, right? They're going to be in yeah. the room practicing their scales, doing their thing. And they're like, I can't play for anybody. I can't do this. And I think everybody starts there. But when you push through that, that's when some amazing things start to happen, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's definitely been my my experience. And just speaking really quickly about guitar, Mike, I was telling a friend this, that I feel like I've moved in my guitar playing and I've got up. It's a never it's a lifelong journey, as you know. But I would say that I've gone from a here's how I should do it or here's how to do it to what do I get to do? And that is a phenomenal feeling. Mm. I mean, like, what do I get to do? I, I know the techniques. I, I, I've built the muscle memory. What do I feel like doing? What, I, what do I want to do as opposed to what should I do? Because like you said, I'm in this key or it's it's diatonic and we got to play these chords because this is the way this this you know guitar has played it. So it, it's it's been a very fun and freeing experience for me. And yeah, going back to being 46, it's only been the last couple of years. So I, in some ways, I'm like, I wish I would have done this sooner. But in other ways, like, oh, it's part of my journey. It's just, mm -hmm. it, yeah. is, it is what it is. I appreciate it now because it wasn't like that before. Yeah, yeah. I love how you can also then take those lessons that you learn, say, on guitar or music or whatever, and then apply those same things, say, even for your business, right? For podcasting, for building structures and systems, uh, for for talks that you do, right? All those things inform because it all comes from the same place within you of creativity and tapping into that. And and I think once you get a taste of what a win looks like for that, it becomes very contagious. And then you want to see that again and again in yes, other places does. in your life, right? That is exactly my experience. I have a... Uh... I was thinking about this as you were saying this, Mike, I have a bit of an allergic reaction to anybody who wants to tell me the right way to do something, <laughs> especially in the business, in a business context, when there is no right way to do something. There are some things, accounting, for example, probably the right way to do things. <laughs> yeah. Again, get too creative in accounting, you find yourself with a big extra <laughs> bill or systemization. I came from a technology background. There are definitely some right ways to do things, but when I see in the space that you and I both live in and, and how we met around, this is the way to happiness. This is the way to grow your business. I have an, a bit of an allergic reaction to the person who claims to know the way to do something. Yeah. If you tell me you have a way, great. If you tell me you have the way, you are very unlikely to do business with me. And I, And partially that's my, I think like, wanting to feel the freedom of creativity as opposed to go and do these 25 steps because that may have worked for you or one of your clients. It may be horrible for me. Right. It's not true to me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a level of contextualization that needs to happen and yeah. not everything is completely transferable. Um, you do need to figure out what, because you, you may have different values. You may have different goals than somebody else. And just simply because you're yeah. repeating a process or taking a structure and overlaying it on top of yours doesn't mean you're gonna you know have quote success right right exactly 
I'm curious, you know, you, you work with a lot of um, high level leaders, mm -hmm. uh, corporate people, and in terms of like creativity and, and corporations, I know that like, you know, there's the sense of everybody acknowledges, yes, creativity is something that is important. Um, it's something that we need to leverage. But where do you see conversations with those type of leaders go if you start to talk about anything in terms of being creative? Yeah, I'm fortunate that I work. I work with all different types of folks. A lot of my clients are founders. And you have to be creative because uh, founders of like technology, high growth, like software, things like that. Because a lot of the things they're doing have never been done. I just, I use, I use Elon Musk as, as an example of taking away what people may feel about him. I just finished that biography. So it's really top of mind. Incredibly creative, unbelievably creative. Everything he's done in business had never been done before. And most of it was launched from a creative place. Not, and they talk about this in the book is not from a, what's going to make us the most money. It's like, what's going to create the biggest impact. So I would say, you know, as a coach, creativity is crucial because people get stuck in a right, wrong context a lot. I, let me clarify that for everybody listening. The fact that there's a right or wrong answer to something that's actually gray. I think there are some things that are right. There are some things that are wrong. But a lot of times in, in business, and this was definitely my experience in my career, is there's a right way to do this thing and there's a wrong way. And either you do it this way and it's good or you do it this way and it's bad and it's wrong. But the truth is in coaching, the reason people hire coaches is to help them with what might be outside of that context most of the time. Hmm. Because what's outside of that is creativity. Yeah. Because if you know what, if you already know what's right and you already know what's wrong about how to do something, you don't really need anybody else. You might need somebody to implement it for you, but you've already made the decision as leaders, arguably the thing you get paid the most money for is making tough decisions. And I would argue it's not a tough decision if it's just a right or wrong decision. And you already, and it's already been made for you. And there are, there are decisions that are tough to make that have some guidelines, but a lot of times what I'll say to somebody, I'll say, it sounds like you're in a, a bit of a black or white way of thinking or a right, wrong way of thinking. What might be some other options that sometimes just having, and you probably experienced this either for yourself or when you said this to folks, when you're doing your work is that'll snap people out of that way of thinking like, Oh, like, well, like let's brainstorm. Let's come up with mm -hmm. other ways of doing things. And I'll tell you where this is crucial is when you're a leader of people and you've made up your mind that the person's idea is bad. Mm. And so you're stuck on their idea that they, like your creativity stops because you've decided that either you don't trust the person or something like what well, might be possible if this, if this guy, Mike, his idea was good or there was something to it and we could continue down that path. I would liken this to, I would say maybe like music or for you, since you're such a phenomenal visual artist of, Hey, I don't love this thing I've started creating on the Cecil, but I feel like there's something here. Let me continue down with it versus oh, I don't like it. I'm going to throw it away. Yeah. So that's yeah. one of the big things is getting creative as a leader around solving problems, working with people, being empathetic. That to me creates the best leaders out there. 
Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And, you know, I know from my experience of working with leaders, and especially if it's with a business context, people are trying to brainstorm, we're in a room, and I'm like, okay, now is not the time to say no, now is the time to say yes, it's just write everything down, get it all out, even something that seems stupid or silly or useless get it all out because you never know where an idea may go and you don't want to shortchange the process by saying no early there will come a time and it's a different part of the process where you revise where you refine right mm. but that can't happen while creation process and ideation is happening because you'll just end up going in circles right it's like when people yeah. try to write and edit in the same sitting because you're constantly just revising what you're writing and then you're not getting anywhere. And people go like, well, I don't know. I sat down for a couple of hours, but all I managed to, to get was maybe two paragraphs. You know, it's yeah. like, of course, because you're at war with yourself. You're not letting the yeah. process do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And I, I know this is some of the work you do that I, and we had talked previously. I don't, I'm not much of a writer. I don't, I just don't really enjoy it. I can do it. One of the things I learned about writing things like speeches is they call it a no a no edit rule a no backspace mm -hmm. rule you just write it out walk away you come back and then you go hey do i like this or i don't but the other thing i learned is you never delete anything because what might be horrible for you on this monday today when we're recording it by friday i might go man that was brilliant what did i say again mm -hmm. and then it's gone forever versus um you, you, like even something in like google docs or word just use the commenting feature or the review feature you're you're vamping it without getting rid of it and I remember I was so guilty of writing, rewriting like business emails versus that thing. I wanted something that you were said there also sparked something about creativity. The other side of this in business is where are you to attach to your creative idea? Mm -hmm. Where do you get attached to an idea as a leader or as anybody and you're unwilling to let it go? Because yeah. it's not because it's, the best idea, but because it's your idea. And I think this is something that true, like, like call like you a true artist. You get very attached to your work because it's like mm -hmm. your birthing babies. Yeah. You see this all the time in business, right? The, the, I'd say the, um, the battlefields of the business world are, are filled with people attached to a specific idea that was really creative or it's their idea. It's gotta be the right idea that it's ended up in the business graveyard. Like yeah. either from a businesses themselves or people's careers or products. So like, that's the other side of that is like you said, be open, but also be open to your idea or your creativity, not being the only thing that can work. Right. Yeah. It's, it's certainly a shift in perspective um, and approach where you say, we're all going to work in this together for the best outcome possible, regardless if that comes from me or somebody else. And I'm going to contribute my best because this is a group effort here. And it, it, it's the it's the goal of the project or or whatever you're working on that takes priority over personal preference, which is hard because creativity comes from within you and it has your fingerprints on it. And you, if you're excited about something, you want other people to be excited about it too. So yes, right. it, it is a very difficult thing. And I think that's something probably that it takes intention keeping that in check, you know? Yeah, yep. You see, I mean, you see it with bands all the time, musicians, oh, yeah. right? Like the, the, what's the VH1 behind the music, that old series, like every band is like, oh no, but this is the way we're going to do it. No, this is where we're going to do it. And yeah. great music gone or yeah. great bands gone. Yeah. You touched on something just a few moments ago, and I'd love to kind of 
come at this from a different way. You were talking about when you're writing um, some talks and some messages, right? So I would love to know a little bit about like, what is your creation process look like uh, in terms of mm -hmm. you, you have a project, you have an idea, you have something you're going to pursue. And is it the type of thing that you do a lot of research first and kind of, you know, if you will go back to the, the comments about guitar playing, learn all the structures and systems and all the things, right, all the facts and whatnot, and then dump it out and then make sense of it? Or is there more of a playful like, um, you know, improv that happens in the midst of things mm -hmm. or, or is it a combination of both? Yeah, my process is yes to almost all of those I'll, I'll tell you what my process is when i'm creating something this would be something i'd be speaking performing maybe doing a workshop something interactive i always start with if the attention span of my audience is 99 is one percent what's the one thing i want them to remember and walk away with hmm. start with a big idea yep it's common people know this intellectually but how many times do you see sp speeches or thing where you don't really know what the intention is. That's why I love TED Talks because TED Talk, this is what they start with, right? What's your idea that's going to change the world? That's what we want to hear about. And it's going to be for a maximum of 18 minutes and you're going to stand on that circle. So we're going to get rid of a lot of the, the extraneous stuff. So I just start with that. And then what I will generally do because I don't like writing is I will transcribe. So I'm an improver by... I do improv where I love improv. I just, I like to think on my feet. I'm not much for sitting down and writing a whole bunch of things, which is why I love AI. I could do, <laughs> do some of that for me or give me somewhere, give me somewhere to start. I don't use AI to create my content, but I use it to give me a start when I'm stuck. And I'll generally get it on its, you know, in the theater, say like get it on its feet. And I'll actually just speak for 20 or 30 minutes into my phone. I don't care about it being perfect. I generally find that what I want to say comes out and then I transcribe it. And then I go, Oh, what do I think of this? What do I think of that? That's interesting. I'm not really, one of the things for me too, is I'm not really sure about that part. I feel like it needs to get in front of somebody or in front of an audience of some type. Mm -hmm. Almost like what comedians do go hit the, go hit the open mic a hundred times and get booed or get booed the first, not booed, but people didn't laugh at that joke. That's that thing that I thought was amazing. That's actually not good. Yeah. Because your audience will tell you. And from there, just continue to hone, hone, hone until I have something that feels authentically me that I feel good about. that has a little bit of testing to it. And that at the end of the day, I can very clearly say, hey, Mike, I know you can't make it tonight. Here's the one thing mm -hmm. you want. It, you want additional background? Come to my next one or here's some information or whatever it is. That's generally my process. It has taken me some significant time to get there. I had a very strong right-wrong context about writing speeches or workshops. You had to sit down at your computer and type up a bunch of stuff and have it in an outline and do it this way. And that was misery for me. Mm. I just don't, there's a reason I worked in sales. <laughs> I had to write a bunch of stuff all the time. So that again, this is another new learning for me, but I find my creativity comes when I'm on my feet and thinking out loud and saying, I'm an, obviously an external processor, as you can see from this podcast. So for me, like that's the natural way to do it. Mm. Other people I know, they're brilliant. They sit down and write in two hours and come up with a new speech. I don't know that I could do that. Yeah. I know I don't want to do that. And that's important because that goes back to you owning your own script. 
and knowing that your own process. And the more you can be intentional about that, the more power you have and the ability to lean into that. Um, one of the things too, you know, as you're talking about um, kind of bringing your, your talk or your message out to somebody else, kind of an audience, even before you're actually going to deliver it to its final destination, so to speak. Uh, at one point I, I worked as a graphic designer in with an organization that did weekly uh, messages and there was a, a kind of tech rehearsal type thing, but it was really more than just a tech rehearsal um, because yeah. it wasn't just go through slides and media and make sure everything works. It was also actually the person delivering the talk and there was a panel of people who would be there from week to week and they would give feedback in real time and mm. make suggestions on um, that story that you told, it didn't really make sense or connect with your big idea. Or you had two stories and they were kind of competing with each other. Or, Love that. you know, um, this this may be really intuitive for you, but for us, we need more explanation because we don't understand what you're talking about there. And so the whole even act of bringing something out into the light, inviting other people into your process, which is scary. And again, that goes back to, I'm not going to treat this so precious because it's my idea, my thing, but I'm actually going to let other people speak into it so that it can be the best version that it can be. So that when I'm on a stage, when I'm talking and delivering this and it goes out, then it can do what it's supposed to do and what it can do best because it's the best version. Um, and I didn't hoard it and then bomb yeah. on stage and go, Ooh, I really squandered an opportunity there. You know, uh, I, that whatever company you're with, that's a great process. Yeah. Also builds, it also makes for better speakers mm -hmm. Yeah, that can't, I mean, you can be, you can be attached to it and be in your feelings about it. But, it, but if you, you're getting a panel of people that are like, eh, you kind of have to be, I don't like the word numb, but you have to be willing to take that feedback and go, Hey, there's something to that. Yeah. Which is, which is why I th like I brought up comedians before. I love the art of comedy, like stand-up comedy you have to have a thick skin to do that job because in all, and I don't know if you're, if you're a fan of stand-up comedy, but if you talk to any of these people, the best comedians on the planet, they'll tell you they workshop this stuff a hundred times before they get it on the road, before these like stadium tours or even like big clubs, they'll do it a hundred times. So we're like, wow, that was an amazing set, Dave Chappelle. You're like, right. Because he's done it a hundred times and he's, yeah. And we say this at life hikes, he's gotten rid of the good to leave the great. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, myself included, the good feels so good. And so it's, I created it and we want to, we want to, you know, like you said, squeeze that thing and hold it. Cause it's our good. Yeah. As an artist, I'm sure you've had this where you're like, I've created this piece of art and it's good, but you know, it's not great, but you're so attached to it. You're like, well, what, what would happen if I actually just went and created that great thing? And all this to be said, the good news is in abundance, we can have it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And create all these things. You know, it's funny. Sometimes that, that comes up in conversations around, you know, is it worth it to go to art school? Um, which is, you know, a whole other conversation. But I will say that one of the things that art school taught me was a little bit more resilience and thick skin when it comes to your what you're creating. Because there were critiques, regular critiques, where you would put your work up on the wall after the assignment was due and everyone would stand back and then everyone would kind of just have at it. And it was interesting because it, it got brutal sometimes because if you had yeah. students who were very insecure and they just wanted to tear somebody apart, this was their opportunity to do it. Um, yeah. Now, of course, hopefully you had a professor who was keeping the reins a little tighter 
and being more constructive with what was happening as far as their critiques. Um, but at the end of the day, you really had to learn how to receive comments, both hopefully good and bad, and go, what is it that I feel like I need to take away from this? Maybe I don't agree with half the things that people said, and that's fine. Because again, totally. maybe they were coming from a different place. Maybe they didn't really understand what it was that you were trying to do. But if that's the case, then it goes, how can I take ownership to make sure that people understand out of the gate and still make this the best as possible? You know? Yeah. You brought up a good, you brought up a really good point there about you don't even have to agree with feedback. You don't even have to implement feedback and feedback comes from their context. Mm -hmm. Now in an art school, you're talking about an art professor, you would say that that person has a level of expertise, but even an art professor is going to be looking at things through a certain lens, just like what I'm, what I might find the most hilarious joke ever might completely turn you off. Yeah. And that's okay too. And I think that's part of, you know, as we talk about just creativity, it's all contextual mm -hmm. and it's extremely subjective. Yes. Which makes it challenging because yeah. the human mind really likes very objective right, wrong, black, white, binary things. This is good. This is bad. And art, you know, is like, for the most part, you can't even, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it definitely is the more that you embrace yourself, the more that you, you get comfortable with the, the things that you have to offer, the easier you can navigate some of those things, because then you're not mm -hmm. looking for that validation externally. You're going, no, I know my abilities and I can trust myself and I can, invite feedback and use what's helpful, but then also not get stuck in either the comparison traps or in um, the imposter syndrome, right? Like all those things that sometimes rear their ugly heads in the midst of creating something, putting it out into the world, getting other people to see it and interact with it. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Yeah. I'm curious, is there something that you can think of that is like a, a, a thing that you would love to create that you have not done yet? You know, maybe it's a different mm. uh, medium. Maybe it's a different forum. Mm -hmm. That's a zinger question. <laughs> There's a lot of things. I think what I would like to create, and I've had this conversation with my executive coach a lot in the last year. So if he happens to listen to this, he's going to laugh, is the idea of being, do you want to be an actor or do you want to be a director? And I love being an actor and what I want to create next are some more of my own directorial. I want to be, I want to be a Ben Affleck on a direct and act. Cause I love, I love the acting part of it. And what I mean by acting is other people's content mm -hmm. as a guitar player, playing other people, playing along with other people's music. I want it. And I don't know specifically what it's going to be, Mike, quite yet. I'm, this has been on my mind for quite a while, but directing my own thing, more of my, so I do know it's more of my own content. Mm -hmm. I've been working on this in my podcast. I've opened up the format in the last year there. And that's been really fun. And yeah, so I don't, I don't have a tangible and specific thing. I can tell you it's not going to be writing a book. It sounds <laughs> my, not my, not my, uh, I, I'll leave that to the people who want to do that or think they should do that. It's not going to be creating artwork like what's behind you. It's just, I just brilliant. That is not my thing. But there's something in creating more of my own domain, intellectual property. Because I don't really have that right now. And it's it's partially because I just haven't taken the time. 
partially because it, it's certainly not necessary, but I do have an inkling to have more of like authentically me out there. I do have my podcasts. So I'd say that's the place I've done it, but I don't really have it inside of my actual like services based business quite yet. Yeah. In process, if you have me back sometime, we could talk more and yeah. I'll probably have more to share. Absolutely. Yeah. And just a quick note on, on writing a book, right? Like, so you mentioned about even just your process of writing a talk and things, um, you could simply improvise, so to speak as, and just audibly say things, record it, and then have that go back and edit some things. Um, and so to your point of like, it doesn't have to be this or that, this is the only way to write a book. This is only, this is the only format a book takes. You could make up what that, looks like to serve you. Um, and so just yeah. a little encouragement as someone who has recently written a book who didn't necessarily think I would ever do something beyond illustrated books, um, that yeah. little word of encouragement, because I think uh, yeah. people really need to to know more of you and hear more of your message and your brilliance. Yeah. So That's, in any way I appreciate that, Mike. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the thing that, the thing I'll say about that too is for the audience too is as you start to create something, it becomes easier. So as you create a keynote, then maybe you create a workshop, you create a coaching program and you start to build up this library of like your knowledge. I think this happens for a lot of people. A lot of people in the spaces we serve and we're with, we have, you know, have a lot of mutual friends is they just go, I got enough for a book here. And then it's just a matter of organization yeah. doing it in the, there are some, seems to be some best practices in how to write a book and publish a book and all those things. Totally get it. And then at that point, so I've said this on so many podcasts and to so many people at this point that I'm never going to write a book. It almost feels like a foregone conclusion that maybe I will. <laughs> I have a number of friends that be like, shut up, man. I've heard you. You're going to do it. I had somebody that like, you're going to do it. I'm like, this sounds horrible, which means I probably should do it. Right. Get out yeah. of your comfort zone and do things. But I'm like, also, I don't know why I, I don't, I, I kind of like being comfortable sometimes too. <laughs> Well, we'll see how much this haunts you. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. The, the you said enough. to Mike, you're never doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as we're wrapping things up today, Jason, um, where can people find you? How can people uh, just get connected with you? You know, lay some links and stuff on us, some information. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the easiest way to connect is on my website. It's just my name, Jason space for no space in the URL. F-R-A-Z-E-L-L. I know this would be in the podcast notes. Yeah. Love if you all would check out my podcast yes. called Talking to Cool People. I am about to kick off season five awesome. and I have a 200, almost 200 episodes, which is a fellow podcaster and uh, podcasting can be very creative. I will say I had no idea, no idea. I think it's maybe this is what like really popular sitcoms feel like. They're like, when we wrote that pilot episode, I was like, when I recorded this <laughs> thing, I was like, Hey, let's do 10 episodes. I've talked to almost 200 people now yeah. about the, the amount of topics and such. So one, love anybody listening, check it out. Two, if you like being on podcasts, hit me up and we'll see if it's a good fit because awesome. it's it's similar to this and that you can talk to anybody about creativity. Mm -hmm. If you consider yourself somebody who can have a fun conversation about what you're up to and have some unique perspective in the world, I'd most likely like to talk to you on there. So yeah, those awesome. are the two places I'd recommend. Yes, yes. And I, I highly recommend uh, that you're listening to a podcast right now, listeners. So subscribe to one more if you love this conversation. I know you'll love the conversations that Jason has. And uh, I, w I had the honor of being on your show as well. Being you one did, of those Mike. It was cool awesome. people. So uh, <laughs> I cool do appreciate people. it. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much for your time today, Jason. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.